0: Hey, this is Matt, host of the Sequel Cast. Please support Now Playing Podcast Kickstarter for their book, Underrated Movies We Recommend. The Kickstarter runs out on March 19, 2015, so you're going to have to hurry to contribute. Just go to nowplayingpodcast.com and click on the Kickstarter link at the top of the page to learn more. Here's a reveal I got from Arnie, one of the hosts of Now Playing. One of the movies they'll be discussing in the book is the original Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? Well, just go to nowplayingpodcast.com and follow the link for their Kickstarter. The Kickstarter campaign lasts until March 19, 2015, so you're going to have to hurry to help them out. Again, this is Matt with the Sequel SequelCast, and, uh, and thanks for checking out Now Playing Podcast Kickstarter for underrated movies we recommend. The theme song for the Sequelcast is written and performed by Mark with the C. The Sequelcast is also a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Podcast Fleet. You can listen to the Sequelcast streaming on the Stitcher app at stitcher.com. Get more episodes of the Sequelcast from sequelcast.com. Enjoy the show. Where's your knife? Uh, I, I must have lost it, sir.
1: Any trooper who lost his knife
0: in my unit would have been strung up for lashes, get... kid.
1: The credits roll There's
0: always more to tell Especially when the video sales Are doing really well From Shock Treatment to Jason X To Police Academy 6 This is Sequel Cast And they are unsurpassed At following a franchise Until the better end This is Sequel Cast And your host are best that I Hello and welcome to the Sequel Cast. The Sequel Cast is a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. I'm your host Matt. With me is Thrasher.
1: Hello, citizens.
0: And we are taking a look. That's right. Salute. We are doing uh, continuing our look at the Starship Troopers series with uh, the first of its many direct video sequels, Starship Troopers: Two Hero of the Federation.
1: We well, you know this wasn't as direct to video as it might seem. It apparently had a theatrical release in Spain and France.
0: Uh I think it also pre- might have premiered in the US on the Sci-Fi Channel.
1: Oh, actually, I don't know if you remember this, but do you remember uh before before the the uh the DVD release of this film, there was a huge screening for it at our uh, alma mater, the Savannah College of Art and Design.
0: I did not catch the screening, but I caught the live Q&A with the director, Phil Tippett, and the writer, Edward Newmeyer.
1: Did either of those gentlemen have anything to do with uh, with uh, our
0: college? Um, n- no, but you know how our, our alma mater, SCAD, Savannah College Art and Design, I don't mind saying their name. Uh, I don't want to give them a plug necessarily, but I'll say their name. Um, yeah, they had random guests, you know, that would give uh, lectures usually on rainy days on a, a Wednesday afternoon when nobody would show up. Remember those?
1: Oh, it takes me back.
0: Yeah, take it back. Take it back. That's our Frank Whoa. Stallone uh, plug for the episode. <laughs> but yeah, Starship Troopers. Everybody. Get plugged on the Sequelcast. If you want to help us plug in even deeper, uh, donate at Sequelcast.com. Look for the PayPal link, donate on the left side. You okay, can help so the sausage with, get made. <laughs> add more filler and experience more thrills that makes no sense <laughs> more, I'm drinking too much more sake. Thrillers let's get for going your fillers. uh yeah i might as well well but let's start out when we first watched this film and then i will go on a tangent about not really a tangent but talk about the live q and a i saw with the writer and director of this film that is only some fair some 10 odd years ago excellent starship troopers 2 um i rented this shortly after moving to portland oregon in 2006 um In the earlier in in, uh, 2006, I had worked in Atlanta, Georgia for a movie stop, which is a movie. um, They sell new and used movies. It's owned by GameStop and uh, they only exist like in the south and in uh, like the eastern and south uh, parts of the United States. It's a big warehouse. Anyway, Starship Troopers 2 was one of our most returned movies that people tried to trade in for store credit. So many people, you know, love, all the dude bros loved Starship Troopers. All the sci-fi fans loved Starship Troopers. You didn't have to be a nerd, right? There's a lot of crossover between Starship Troopers and Halo, you know. And um, all the guys were so excited for Starship Troopers 2, even though it was direct-to-video. And they hated this film. Hated it.
1: I wonder if we'll find out why later in this episode
0: (laughs) i think we will um and i i remember hating the film when i saw it first uh a decade ago but then watching it again um i think i hated it even more although I, i did read a review on a um on a blog for for a horror film website i can't uh Can't think of the name off the top of my head. But they said this is actually more a zombie movie than a sci-fi movie. And when I watched it with that in mind, I could see what they were getting at. Uh, Thrasher, when did you first watch this? Was this a few days ago for the sequel cast?
1: Well... When when this movie was an, uh, announced, I was I was mildly interested. But having worked my way through an incomplete minor in film by the time this came out, uh, I I was pretty much disillusioned on all sequels. So I did not see it. Uh, and then I read a review, which may have very well have been on the Onion AV Club, as it was called yeah, at the yeah. time. Uh Really shooting shooting this movie down. Like, well, I'm good. I'm glad I didn't see it. So I didn't see it for the first time until last weekend. Uh, I ended up. Uh, I was at home uh, with my wife. She was. We were. We were working on stuff. She was crocheting. I was drawing, and we ended up kind of marathoning all the Starship Troopers movies. And that's kind of what inspired doing it on the sequel cast. So I didn't see it until about a week ago.
0: And she didn't ask for a divorce after you marathoned all the Starship Troopers movies.
1: No, but she did request that we not rewatch this for research purposes.
0: Got it. Well, it's it's fairly fresh in your memory. I'll have to go to the video store to watch. Um the 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 cartoon one in a few weeks hence because it, they just pulled all that stuff from Netflix. Thanks Netflix for not giving you any notice of when you pull stuff. Um
1: That's the Netflix promise.
0: Anyway, you know the technical credits of the film aren't awful. The director Phil Tippett is a legend in the practical special effects world. He did, you know, stop motion in Empire Strikes Back for the at eighties. He also known as At-Ats, whatever. Um, he also did ED-209 and RoboCop to the stop-motion alien creature at the end of uh, the George Lucas production, Howard the Duck. Um, did some consulting work, I think, in for Jurassic Park about bridging the gap between practical and CG, because at one point his shop made a run at what uh, stop-motion dinosaurs would have looked like, and they th- there's several great documentaries on that on the uh, more recent Jurassic Park uh, DVDs and Blu-rays. But Phil Tippett is a legend. I think that's safe to say.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And he's directed some short films and stuff. But this, I think, was his like live-action feature debut as a director. Am I wrong in that?
1: Uh, I think you may actually be right. I have not uh, like. I think. Oh, actually, I, yeah. He, this is the the first feature-length thing he ever directed. Everything else uh, has been a short, except for the two thousand three feature film Mad God.
0: Um, Which actually he's still, he did a Kickstarter for Mad God and has um, released some some bits of that. I think that's been in production, you know, since 2003. It's a big passion project of his. Um, Anyway, as I alluded to earlier, I got to see Phil Tippett and the the writer of this, Ed Neumeyer, who also wrote the original Starship Troopers. Um, Not only did he write the Starship Troopers live-action trilogy, but he also wrote RoboCop. And was a co-writer on Anaconda Two. Okay, it's
1: funny. It's funny you mentioned that that he wrote this because while watching this movie, can I can I bring up a theory I have?
0: Um, go for it. And then after that, to make this more entertaining, so I'm not monologuing, ask me questions about what I experienced at the Q and A, and then we'll go talk about the actual film.
1: I'll, I'll ask you where this movie touched you. Um, anyway, so. So I, I watched this movie. I, I, I will make no bones about it. This this is not a quality picture. Uh, and no. And watch, watching it, just the way it's structured, everything about the movie, uh, I feel like the only reason this movie exists is that the studio that had the rights – because this came out, like, what, seven years after the, after the, the original film – that the studio was going to lose the rights to Starship Troopers but thought it still might be a valuable property – and so, like the Spider-Man movies that Sony makes, they made this movie just to hold on to the film rights for Starship Troopers, and to do that, they took a generic script about a bunch of people on a space station infected with mind control monsters, and just shoehorned the Starship Troopers stuff into it. Um, that that's how I that's what this whole movie feels like. But apparently, the whole thing was uh, was Edward Newmeyer. There weren't any other passes on the script.
0: No, um, from what I understand, it's funny you mention that. You know, like the uh, original Paul Verhoeven Starship Troopers movie, which we talked about last week. Check out that episode at SequelCast.com. That's what we call a smooth plug here in the biz. Um, The original Starship Troopers was actually in development as a movie called, like, Attack on Bug Planet that had nothing to do with Starship Troopers. And then Sony happened to get that license, and they sort of slapped it on, which is why that movie doesn't resemble the book very much, right?
1: Well, I mean... It resembles it enough, I will say.
0: Mm -hmm. But no, I mean, from what I understand, Starship Troopers is what they call an evergreen. It was continually sold solid numbers on videotape, on DVD, on special edition DVD. And it was these continued sales that Sony uh, decided to say, hey, you know, why don't we take some of these good sellers on video and make direct-to-video sequels? On them. Um, I mean, Sony wasn't the only uh, studio guilty of this. Universal Studios did this as well with what they did, like four American Pie direct-to-video spinoffs. Indeed. Um, I think more recently, like Mean Girls 2, was a direct-to-video thing with no involvement from Tina Fey or or Lindsay Lohan or whatever. So, I mean, this this practice isn't new, and it makes sense. I mean, Starship Troopers in the theater uh, financially was a disappointment. It was a very expensive movie to make, and it didn't make uh, Star Wars money, right? Well, not, not the even theaters. Star Trek money. Uh, it did make no, Star no, no. Wars video money. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, so, I mean, that's why they did a sequel. Um, and they realized they had a very limited budget. Uh, according to Wikipedia, the first film cost $105 million. This one cost $7 million. <laughs> and you can tell. And also, uh, I recall listening to some of the commentary uh, a decade ago, It's it's been a while, but they mentioned that at the time, Sony Pictures uh, didn't do a great job of preserving their digital assets, so they didn't have the original files of the CG for the bugs. Oh, so they wow. had to do it off of reference off the original. But I think the aliens actually look quite good in this. Well, the, I, I don't think they look any worse than the original.
1: The, no, actually, I'm going to say the warrior bugs actually look really good. They're they're just about on par with the way the warrior bugs appear in the original film. <laughs> and I think the two reasons is, one, they, they're able to reproduce the original design just flawlessly. And two, the warrior bugs are in the dark most of the time and you can use dark... If there's a gap in uh, your special effects, darkness will shore that gap right up.
0: Yeah, darkness plus the rain. That's another trick they use. in smoke, <laughs> right? All these atmospheric things to cover up the the crappy edges. Uh, why don't you ask me a few questions about the Q&A, what I might have learned from that? Well, oh, okay. The
1: did did uh, their enthusiasm about the film uh, seem legitimate?
0: Ah, gee. So they showed uh, what they call a sizzle reel, and based on the the this montage of the most exciting clips from the film and uh, this dramatic music from... It might have been music like Cribbed from the original film, I don't recall. Was it Song 2 this by like, Blur on a Loop? woo Yeah, no, no, it wasn't. But based on that clip, this looked like the most exciting goddamn movie ever made. <laughs> it shows you the power of editing. But they, they did seem enthusiastic. I mean, Edward... Ed Newmyer, specifically the screenwriter, uh, is very came across as very friendly, very personable, and, and Phil Tippett was more uh, reserved. But they didn't seem like they had animosity towards uh, each other or or the project, and they were just excited to to tour around talking to college students about not only their career but their their upcoming project, this movie, Starship Troopers, 2 uh, in particular. I don't think anyone sets out to make a bad movie. I think, you know, everyone, I think, tries their best. It's really hard to make a movie.
1: Well, no, that, that, well, I mean, thankfully, that's one thing that did come across my experience of watching this film. It, it didn't seem like it wasn't a bad movie because of a lack of effort. I, I do feel like the people were trying to make the best movie they could with the resources that they had available, whether those resources were time, money, or what have you. That's right. I guess the other thing is, did did um did it, did you get the sense that Phil Tippett thought that this might be the beginning of a, a more substantial directing career? Or was this just kind no. of a fun experiment?
0: It, it came across as, as a fun experiment. I mean, you know, Phil Tippett has done um, special effects work since then on, on the Twilight series, did the work, uh, I think, doing consulting on the animation for the Wolves. Um, and he did make the transition with his studio from practical to CG, although I think he... I believe his Mad World stuff um, has more of like a, a hand, like a a handhold feel. I don't. I haven't seen not Mad Mad World, Mad God. Um, so he he definitely appreciates the handmade aesthetic, but he's also realized the industry has moved from handmade practical effects to to CG.
1: Did he have any interesting behind the scenes stories about the actors or production?
0: Um, the only one is when I I think I, I teased last week in that it's called hero of the Federation. And the, a big part of the plot is there's a guy that was a hero in the, the earlier wars against the bugs that, um, was imprisoned for fragging a, uh, like a general, like a senior officer. Right. And originally that was supposed to be Clancy Brown reprising his role. As the, uh, Zim. Gee, do you remember his name from the first movie? It was Zim, Zim, right. A Zim from the first film.
1: You might say that he invaded in that movie. He was an Invader Zim.
0: Ah. Oh. Doom. Indeed.
1: Hey, must yeah. obey the Taco Man.
0: Invader Zim, uh, check that out on, on DVD or whatever. That was a quirky show that should have never been on Nickelodeon in the <laughs> first place. Um, back to Starship Troopers 2. Where is it going with that? Oh, those you're talking about somewhere. Clancy
1: Brown. Uh, but he was uh, he had a cameo. Yeah, yeah, on yeah. Bartem- but he, he
0: wasn't um, able to do it because he was uh, doing a show for Showtime called Carnival. Was that HBO? It was HBO or Showtime? I think it was. It was I think it was
1: originally HBO, but I think it re- they did reruns on Showtime.
0: Okay, so it, it, he, anyway, he was on the show, and there was a scheduling conflict, and he would have loved to do it, uh, even with a small budget, but he just couldn't make it. Yeah, I think so he would have been really, a welcome addition to this film. Uh, definitely, and I think that it, let's let's segue from that to the conversation on the film proper, Starship Troopers Two: Hero of the Federation. I love saying that title; it's so many syllables. Uh, when you expect a sequel, even if it's direct to video, you expect some connection to the original, even if it's a cast member making like some shit cameo. And you don't even have that in this film. They do use some stock footage from the original with the the news clip in the beginning showing like the big bombing of one of the bug planets. I think in the beginning newsreel they mentioned this is like bug war two or, or something along those lines, right?
1: So so apparently they they achieved peace with the between the two movies they achieved peace with the bugs and then hostility resumed. I like that little bit of background detail that's completely unnecessary.
0: Yeah, but um yeah Clancy Brown not being in this is a big mistake even if it would have been the same script same shot list everything uh it, it would have made it feel a bit more legitimate and elevated the material and i think the guy they have as the titular hero of the federation is actually quite good Are you uh, about it, 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 it's richard, richard Berge. Berge. yeah who i don't recognize from anything i mean if you thought the original starship troopers have no names you haven't seen uh, nothing yet, because like, Starship Troopers 2 is a bunch of nobodies. No offense. Like, they do an okay job, but it's uh, nobody you recognize. I mean, he's done a lot of uh, TV gigs, popped up in, in some movies here and there. He was on One
1: Life to Live. He played uh, Cur- Curtis Bohanan on the 1990s Flash series.
0: He played a cop in the 2009 reboot of Friday the 13th. Oh, he was Lieutenant uh, was
1: Momac that... on Firefly.
0: Who was Lieutenant Womack? He
1: was, uh, I believe, he was uh, a guy who was in the flashback sequences in that Got it. episode. Okay.
0: Yeah, so um, there's that. And, and you mentioned the look of the film is very dark and, and dingy. Like, it's a lot of like um, blues. Everything looks smoky. The, the video quality, for whatever reason, looks awful even on a high-definition transfer, and you can tell with the budget uh, this film was made because the first one, uh, I mean, cost over ten times as much, let's be fair, but it had a big scope, and this one stuff is a lot more contained. It's a lot of close-ups of people firing weaponry and flashing and not a lot of the bugs.
1: Yeah, I mean, most of it takes place within the same uh, cramped facility. You'd actually, you actually know what it feels like? It feels like we're watching a pilot for a Starship Troopers television series.
0: Why they didn't do a Starship Troopers uh, sci-fi channel series is beyond me. I think that'd be a great fit.
1: Well, they came close with Roughnecks.
0: <sighs> yeah, that, that's for um, another episode. <laughs> yeah, we, we can we can touch about Roughnecks next episode. I don't, I don't think we have time for that for this one. But yeah, they did do a CG uh, series of Starship Troopers called Roughnecks. Starship Troopers, I think the Roughneck Chronicles or something. Uh, it came out. It was like one year and. Um, but yeah, I think the Starship Troopers uh, formula, as it were, would be better for a TV series than a series of direct-to-video sequels. Yeah, I can agree with that. Um, and yeah, it, you mentioned it's compressed with the the space they're in. You know, it feels almost like uh the Agatha Christie play or the book, uh, and then there were none. Oh, that's it's the a bunch blight of version getting... of the title. Yeah, it was was it Ten Little Indians?
1: Oh, there's a worse version, but I'm not going to say it. Okay. All I'm going to say is look up the history of that title. You may very well be aghast.
0: Well... The goodies uh, had a
1: great yeah, joke about that on the show.
0: Got it. Anyway, this film is like more like a horror film than, than a sci-fi film. It feels like Phil Tippett was ashamed to make a Starship Troopers movie. And yet, I mean, you know, when you do a limited budget, you limit your locations. I see why they made the choices they did. And I do legitimately like the plot twist of the uh, the bugs trying to possess humans. Oh, the
1: infiltrator bugs, yeah.
0: Infiltrator bugs. I think that's a smart idea. Well, again, that'll... And a logical progression.
1: Well, I mean, this really does kind of follow a horror movie, almost slasher movie formula, and that just feeds into why I felt like this was a repurposed space zombie script. But, I mean, the, the, the effects for the mind control bugs actually aren't that bad. They're kind of appropriately gruesome no. when these big earwig things kind of force themselves into people's mouths.
0: Right, um... It doesn't help that the chemistry between the actors isn't exactly strong. Everyone is playing like a a stereotype. And, and this is also a, a film where everyone has like identical uniforms. And so you don't get to see their faces until maybe 20 minutes into the movie or they're all holed up in the fortress. I love the revealing shot of the base that they're in. And it has lightning striking behind it. And it, sound, it looks like something out of a, a Frankenstein movie. It looks like Castle Frankenstein. Yeah. Uh, but, but but what do you think of this movie? Do you think, like, the the plot is so far removed that they shouldn't have even called this Starship Troopers? They should have called it, like, Zombie Bug Town?
1: Well, I mean, that's... Well, the only reason anyone's going to watch this movie is because it's connected to Starship Troopers. If you remove the Starship Troopers elements, you have a very, very gener- generic outer space zombie movie. Uh, I think... Frankly, I think the fact that it is Starship Troopers... Makes it a better movie, even if it mm. is a terrible version. It's like the worst possible version of a Starship Trooper sequel you could have.
0: There are some nice touches. the The new segments, especially the one at the end, is is pretty funny. Um, I like the idea they have bug traps that look like a big version of like a mosquito uh, trap with electricity uh, that they just fly into.
1: That that's cute. I mean that that's a cute
0: gag. <laughs> And the problem is you're building to a a scenario where all these bugs are surrounding uh, this base that the humans are holed up in in the middle. And you're thinking, oh, it's going to be an Alamo situation. But then you also think, gee, that was done really well in the first film where they go across that base that was annihilated where there's only one survivor. Well, I,
1: Honestly, I think I probably would have preferred it if it had been much more of an Alamo movie because you have to they're so outnumbered and so surrounded by bugs you you have to keep coming up with explanations for why the bugs don't just come in and eat everybody and admittedly you know in the end we find out it's because the bugs were hoping to use the infiltrators to take over everybody in the base um and that's kind of cool but it destroys like it it doesn't create good tension by having them surrounded because we know they're never going to come in there it also leads to one of the most frustrating sequences in the movie the Perimeter burn. What's that? Perimeter burn.
0: I I don't know what that is. Perimeter burn. Well,
1: I'll tell you what, it's the perimeter burn. They have this defensive system where like, oh. like death charges f- come flying off of Uh, I guess for lack of a better term, drain pipes on this base, and just blow up everything around it. And it's an amazing special effect, but it's also a ridiculously impractical sci-fi weapon. And also, like, the warning that goes out, you can't understand a damn thing the computer is telling you. You just hear (laughs) repeated over and over again, and it distracts from what should be an amazing firebombing action sequence.
0: I do want to correct you in that the bugs ultimate mission is to infiltrate the senior member of the uh, of the team that's there in the base. So then that he'll go back to Earth and, you know, and, and then the bugs will spread to Earth and take over people that way. There's one throwaway line of dialogue that spells that out as the bug's final intention. Well, I mean, we're I... we're the general guy, the guy with the the bald head who's super super pissy. Everyone in this movie is pissed off, including the audience.
1: Well, everybody has test two modes: angry and scared.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um do you think the, the 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 sex and nudity is gratuitous? I mean I think it feels positively Paul Verhoeven. I think that's one thing in spirit with the first film.
1: Um well I'm not going to say it's Paul Verhoeven because uh, when Paul Verhoeven does that it's both gratuitous and thoroughly mundane, but in
0: this... It feels like a knockoff of Species, right?
1: A little bit, uh, but like when I see when we see the 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 sex and nudity in here, it really just does seem to be there because it's a direct to it's a direct to DVD movie, and they have to be able to say too hot for TV on the cover.
0: Yeah, and um, gee, and, and I mean, you can see where this movie is going with the plot. When they bring when they bring in additional people into the base that they found stranded out in the middle of nowhere and they seem exhausted and don't know what's going on, you can tell something uh, is rotten in the state of Bug, Bug Denmark. On Bug Planet, yes. On Bug Planet, yeah, something is rotten on Bug Planet. <laughs> it would have been so easy for them to have a damn Casper Van Dien cameo, just have them come in on the com log. I see you're, you're holding the fort up there. Congratulations, troopers. I, I can't make it out there, but I'm with you in spirit. You wouldn't even have to have Casper Van Dien, just
1: somebody who kind of sounds like him and make it audio-only. <laughs> 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 and oh, and also Zim is here. Kasper. Keep it up, Roughnecks. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. also Radchak. Give him hell. And also that guy played by Neil Patrick Harris. How's everybody doing?
0: Yeah, um, gee... I mean, it, that's the thing, is it could have? It didn't mean much to have just a little bit of connection where you'd be like, okay, this feels slightly more legitimate. I mean, it doesn't feel like they're putting on a stage play of Starship Troopers. Although. But uh, the Max Fisher version of Starship Troopers. <laughs> man, I mean, you can tell they, they tried, and there's some okay ideas here, but it just doesn't go anywhere. It just kind of...
1: Well, the stakes are low. <sighs> You never, yeah, too low. you never feel like Earth is really under threat from from the infiltrator bugs, even when it's revealed that that's what this is all about
0: That's right. You think there'd be um a ticking time bomb, but there really isn't. I mean, they are waiting for someone to rescue them. But by the time it comes up at the end, uh, i I do like the plot twist of how the original guy got in trouble for fragging his commanding officer. And they don't want to let him loose, but they're being getting their ass kicked by the bug so much and nobody knows what's happening that they, they let him out to help him. And then it turns out, to succeed, he has to frag almost every other officer <laughs> on the base. And by um, defending the base by himself and sacrificing himself so a few of the characters can escape, he becomes a titular hero of the Federation. That irony deserved a better script to lead to that point yeah
1: I I like the idea behind that irony but at the the same time with all the the sort of comical fascism that's established in the first movie I I really feel like all they should have done is just blow up the entire base and neutralize the area to guarantee there's zero possibility that infiltrators will be taken out
0: I mean that's what they do in Alien vs. Predator 2 Requiem Mm -hmm. um, where they nuke the entire town spoiler alert
1: well now I have no reason to see that movie
0: I'm John Lovitz. This movie stinks. Um,
1: <laughs> I'm Artie Ziff. I'm richer than you.
0: Starship Troopers Two. Uh, I'm about ready to rate this movie. Do you have anything else you want to say about it?
1: Um, just that th- there was some. Well, okay, there, there was a part that made me laugh that probably wasn't supposed to, where one one of the yeah. people who's got a, a infiltrator bug in him gets locked in this like furnace. This like room with this. There's this huge contained fire. Well, that's where sort they're of gonna kill him and the infiltrator. And he's in there screaming for like three minutes, long past <laughs> the part, long past the point where he would have vocal cords or lungs left. Like the camera's not even on him. It's on the people who put him in there, talking about what they're gonna do next. And you can still hear him screaming and pounding on the door, even though he's should be completely consumed by fire. It was just sustained for so long, I found it comical when I probably shouldn't. They, probably that wasn't their intent.
0: I did like a sequence where one of the women gets infiltrated by a bug, but her human spirit is strong enough to overtake the bug part, and she's able to get some fighting in before she begs to be killed.
1: And then I just get flashbacks to, to aliens. Kill me!
0: Well, sure. I mean, the whole Starship Troopers franchise, to be honest, Aliens is a huge influence to any science fiction action film, really, any sci-fi military thing that's come afterwards. Because, what, you get a bunch of stereotypes, you get them on a few missions to to take out the aliens, you do a lot of shaky clam close-ups with grainy uh, camera footage, and you got a movie, right? I think so. Starship, Yeah, Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation, is sadly run-of-the-mill after the, the masterpiece of, of humor, satire, action, sex, violence, everything that the first film had. This is a, a big disappointment. Um, one of the lesser films I've ever watched for the sequel cast, and that's over 200 films and counting, ladies and gentlemen. So I would give Starship Troopers 2, Hero of the Federation, one out of five stars.
1: I'm going to give it two. It was bad, It wasn't that bad, but I think the second of those stars just probably comes from the fact that it is Starship Troopers, even if it's a weakened version. And I do respect the effort they put into it.
0: I mean, they tried, but we'll we'll talk about this next week. But I think Starship Troopers 3 is a far more successful direct-to-video continuation of the original. And the cast and the plot is no small part of that. Um, it, it's, it's like the first film done in a shoestring without any of the satire. So, uh, let's do pitch a sequel. If I was doing a sequel to Starship Troopers to Hero of the Federation, I would do the prequel route and tell the story of how uh, Captain Dax got in the scenario where he had to frag a fellow officer for sending too many innocent kids out to battle. And I think you could tell a real gripping story uh, at a lower budget and include more um, more outdoors combat against uh, the bugs. Maybe you would set a lot of it kind of in subterranean caves, like the climax of the first film, to cut down on the exterior shooting. Cool. But I, I would call it Starship Troopers 2... Um no not two. Starship 2. Troopers. 5. Yeah, uh yeah, why not? Starship Troopers two point five. Or, origin of the Federation. That, Even that though that's fucking long makes after sense. the Federation has found it. From hero to zero. There you go.
1: <laughs> All right, well, I'll do uh, Starship Troopers Starship Troopers three, uh, mind games, where the, the premise of, oh, of this is nice. that an infiltrator bug did manage to infiltrate the Federation, uh, worked his way through the ranks, somehow never, the post wow. body never getting a medical checkup, um, and ends up becoming one of the top propaganda officers in the Federation, and starts producing propaganda that's distributed through Federation propaganda channels, but that is designed to undermine the human war effort. So we actually see like, it's actually kind of like mad men where it's these different propaganda officers trying to find Mm -hmm. the best ways to inspire troops and, and, and get out misinformation. And it's all their competing ideas. And it's really an exploration of how the Federation propaganda machine works and we even see like feuding propaganda reels made by the humans and the humans infiltrated by the bugs and it just gets increasingly comical and over the top uh, with the way the pro and anti-bug propaganda goes Uh, and it finally ends uh, there's going to be this massive propaganda transmission you know do you want to know more where if you click on the do you want to know more link like you get some like there's some like flashing lights that gives you a seizure and you'll have a stroke, and like it, it'll like eliminate like a full third of the human population. Uh, and so it ends with this, you know, thrilling chase oh, can we stop this transmission? and uh, you're you're not sure who in this thrilling chase is a, is a human or a human possessed by a bug. Uh, and there will be there will be some action because some during that that chase sequence, a containment facility that's holding bugs for experimentation gets breached, and all the bugs swarm uh, swarm through the propaganda facility
0: that That sounds pretty entertaining. So it'd be sort of like a like a political film. A lot of talking heads.
1: Yeah, it would be. It would bring back the political satire.
0: Got it. So, and that's another take. You know, it's definitely pretty smart. So that's our pitch. A sequel for that. Uh, let's go on to sequel news. There's been a lot out there lately. Uh, I have not seen the latest trailer for Avengers: uh, Age of Ultron. Neither the second have Avengers I. film. Okay, so I don't know why I sound so excited,
1: because I want to see that movie. It just I was too busy today.
0: <laughs> Got it. But everyone is watching it going, oh my god, it's amazing. I saw a, a still image from it that looks like a big action shot of, of all the Avengers running off, uh, fighting people. Um, I did see something that was a teaser poster for the Civil War film, which <laughs> is Captain America 3. That I, I don't think it's a fan poster. It looks real to me, so it could be full of shit. But it it shows the hand of Iron Man holding up Captain America's mask. Interesting. And now, have you read the Civil War comics at all?
1: Uh, I'm I'm familiar with the storyline.
0: Okay. Um, I haven't read them either, but I know since Sony and Marvel now have a a co-production deal with the Spider-Man character... Uh, Spider-Man is going to appear in Captain America: Three Civil War, and it'll be it will be interesting to
1: see how close they stick to Spider-Man's angle on the story, because in in what Spider-Man does in the comics at the beginning of Civil War is kind of one of the most pivotal elements of the Marvel Universe, and of the time, of course, it it's been undone by now, I think, and it will certainly be undone by the time they're done with their uh, secret their new Secret Wars.
0: I think every so often you have to do, like, a Secret Wars or something. You have to kind of nuke the fridge and set things back to zero. Otherwise, it gets so convoluted. Nobody can follow the whole thing, and you just have to sort of... I I don't know. If you're going to make issues that you have to read issue 200 issues ago to keep track of what's happening... Well, You're not going to get any build any new audience that way. Well,
1: I've, I've already made my my feelings clear about about long form continuity based storytelling. But I, f- I find these continuity resets, reboots, crossovers, and and things I find them I find them just as frustrating as overly involved and overly complicated continuity. I would rather that they both be done away with and the people just tell the stories they want to tell in the moment.
0: Absolutely, I think that is well said.
1: Now, here's something that's pretty cool. So, uh, Star Wars Rebels wrapped up its first season. Uh, I think earlier earlier this week, uh, there were big reveals. Right. Uh, but what's did you cool did you, did you watch already- the
0: episode? Did you watch the episode?
1: No, I actually have not seen any. Uh, I I stumbled. I'm suddenly interested because by uh, by reading something else, I stumbled across what one of the big reveals was, and now it makes me want to see Rebels. I was kind of gonna let it pass. Well, me by. let
0: me know what that is because I'm curious what that is. So, and listeners, uh, if you care spoilers about the season finale of Star Wars Rebels, uh, the new Star Wars animated show that just wrapped up its first season on Disney XD.
1: Okay, so yes, yeah, sk- skip ahead five minutes. What the hell? So the the big the big reveal is there's a, there was a character that had shown up from time to time in this season of Rebels. Well, it was revealed. It was just revealed in the final episode that that character of this season that character is Ahsoka Tano from the Clone Wars.
0: Wow! And uh, for those that don't know, Ahsoka Tano was a, a main central character in the Star Wars Clone Wars animated series. That was a Padawan that Anakin trained and she's a female and she's a Twi'lek and she's she's orange. What?
1: She, she's whatever shock T
0: was. Okay. They're tentacle things, whatever. So, but yeah, um, uh, no, but that's a neat way to kind of tie the two series together. Dave Filoni, uh, has a big part in both the series.
1: Yeah, and, they, and it, it's kind of cool for fans of the Clone Wars because they never, because Clone Wars got unceremoniously canceled halfway through production right. of its final season, they never wrapped up what was happening with her. So all we had seen from the season before was that she had been kicked out of the Jedi Order and went into hiding. Uh, now it looks like we're going to find out more details. But the, the big news that I wanted to talk about is that it's now confirmed that Sarah Michelle Geller will be joining the cast next year.
0: As as who? Uh,
1: I don't know. Hmm. Actually, it's uh, it's unclear who she who she might be playing, but she's going to have a a major recurring role for next year.
0: Isn't her husband Freddie Prince Jr. Uh, a member of the show?
1: Um, actually, yes, he plays uh, yeah. he plays uh, uh Kanan Jarrus. The yeah, you know
0: Jedi. the only uh, amount of Star Wars Rebels that I've seen is I caught the the first ten minutes of the pilot episode because they had it free on YouTube uh, for a time, and I thought it captured the series the feeling of the original films uh, brilliant brilliantly. I thought Star Wars Clone Wars was a bit boring to be honest, uh, although I found the Yoda episodes fascinating, and uh, I- I'd love to see more of Star Wars Rebels. I don't get that. Um, cable channel perhaps i'll I'll drop the 20 bucks to to get the series on itunes and i can watch it on my apple tv while eating apple pie uh i have no idea but I, i i'm excited to see that they're being um putting a lot of hooks with the original series it's set between episode three revenge of the sith and episode four a new hope um and i wonder if we'll see ties to star wars rebels in the new star wars uh Episode Seven: The Force Awakens.
1: Uh, only, only time will tell. I wouldn't be surprised, uh, since I'm sure Disney would love to do another full, big shared universe thing like they've, like the Marvel yeah. movies have been able to do. Uh, if they do have connections, I hope that they're subtle and unobtrusive. Uh, I really, I don't, I, I hate watching a movie where I'm reminded of something that I would rather see.
0: <laughs> right. So that is. Um, exciting news and I like Star Wars and I should just get off my ass and drop whatever the 30 bucks or whatever it cost to check out that season in HD so uh, let's move on to what you're watching Thrasher
1: well as long as we're stuck on a Disney uh, Marvel tangent uh, I did finally watch uh, Agent Carter
0: uh, I- ah okay and that's uh, let's remind our listeners what that is that's a, a spin-off show of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: Well, it's a spinoff show of of the Marvel movies. It's all about uh, Agent uh, Peggy Carter from uh, the Captain America movies, and it's all about what she was doing in the late 40s, uh, early 50s, uh, working for the OSR, an organization that eventually becomes S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Um, Well, okay, so here's the deal. I like it. They use the period setting really well, and frankly, I I love the period setting. I love I love I love any time period where everyone wears hats all the time, uh, and they do that very well. This is probably the best hat show that's been on TV this season. That being said, the whole first season is pretty much just set up for the show. Everything insignificant imp- that happened in this a brief eight-episode season. I feel like you could have. I feel like you could have just done one movie to set. You know all they this need
0: up. they needed something to bridge the gap before um, Agents of Shield got back on the air, and the the ratings for Agents of Shield have been disappointing, uh, apart from the first few episodes.
1: Well, that's because the show has been disappointing.
0: I, yeah, I hate no, to Agents, say of that. Kinda, Agents of Shield kind of Agents of Shield kind of sucks, except for the past few episodes. Uh, in the middle of the show, in the last few episodes, wrapping up the first season. Well, th- like, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. looks cheap. At least, Agent Carter, which I only saw the first two episodes of, has the period kind of to play with and the, the, the gender politics and stuff, and has more fun with the gadgets. I don't know why you have the Marvel license do a live action show that's about people in warehouses, like, screaming and running around with guns and trying to hide.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I I can agree with that. Uh, it's like I, as and, and as as much as, as I hate to say this, so the precedent has been: Agents of Shield is only good during the month a Marvel movie comes out.
0: And you know, Agents of Shield has some really good cast members. I thought Kyle McLaughlin in kind of a villainous role was was pretty good. Oh, no, he's Of fantastic. Quinn Peaks and Dune fame, right? And, and Bill Paxton was fun as the, the bad guy in uh, some of those episodes. But, God, it, it, it's like they're ashamed that it has the Marvel license. And I'm not expecting Iron Man to pop up in every episode, shoot a missile into someone, and then go fuck a chick and then, like, leave, right?
1: Well, I want something to happen. I, this is one of the few cases where I wish the show was more Monster of the Week. Like, that way they could just yeah, tell a yeah. good self-contained uh-huh. story and wouldn't have to worry about stringing all these plot just threads along out, uh, and waiting for movies to come out.
0: That's right. That's uh, one of the most disappointing things about it. I couldn't have put it better myself.
1: But, I mean, what? what I would say what, watch Agent Carter. It's it's still pretty fun. The Howling Commandos get an episode, and I love The Howling Commandos. That was a oh, treat. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, so, like, it's but again i don't think it needed to be an 8 episode limited season i think they they could have done one dense movie or sort of two a duology of movies that could still cover all the same ground
0: i've been really enjoying this uh sitcom called fresh off the boat hmm. have you heard about it
1: i've heard of, i've heard it's good i haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet
0: it's surprisingly good. The concept sounds pretty hacky. It's based on the, uh, let me look up the name of the chef, but it's loosely based on the life of a guy of a, what's that, Eddie Huane is, is the guy's name, but he's he's known for doing restaurants and famous food carts and stuff in L.A., but um, Fresh Off the Boat is loosely based off his childhood where his family moved from Washington, D.C. to Orlando, Florida to open a uh, a steakhouse. And fresh off the boat refers to um, it could by any any minority, but it tends to refer to Asians that come into United States, you know, fresh off the boat. They were they were born, they lived uh, most of their life uh, on mainland China or Taiwan or wherever they're from. Um, in this case, I believe they're Taiwanese. Jeez, I should look that up. Um, but it, it takes place in the '90s, and uh, they're into the main characters are into hip hop. It it does have familiar sitcom tropes but there's um, a bit of an attitude to it which I like in the first episode you have the the main character in school and someone pushes him around and calls him a chink and it doesn't really get resolved so it feels more realistic in that way like another sitcom that's currently on that I like is called The Goldbergs but that one is a lot more like a, a cutesy poo wonder year sort of thing and this one is um, uh, more more edgy, more humorous. The um, the actor that plays the dad is the same actor that plays Kim Jong Un in the interview. And some uh, criticism online has been made of the of the accents the actors use that play the parents. But honestly, um, it's not as bad as it could be. Like the English is kind of. Stilted, but it's not super broken English. And people uh, come to live uh, in the United States with different English skills. You know.
1: Well, I haven't, I haven't seen it, so, you I, haven't so seen I can't the show. judge it. Okay. You know, I guess it. You know, it all comes down to whether whether you know the voice they're doing comes from a place of truth. Is that based on relatives they've had or experiences they've had?
0: I think if people think the accents from the show are stereotypical, it could have been a lot worse.
1: They could have been Neimoidians from Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom
0: Menace. We must have approval of the senator. Yeah, that's exactly right. Man, that's when my heart shrunk three sizes. I was seeing Phantom Menace <laughs> in the theater, and as soon as the first line of Neimoidian dialogue came out, I said, oh no, this isn't as bad as people say. Isn't this the is first
1: line of dialogue?
0: <laughs> Might be. You see the opening crawl about taxation routes. You're like, eh. You see the spaceships, dramatic John Williams music. Okay. And then uh, they, they open up, oh, we got incoming transmission. And you see the, the Jedi shrouded in, in darkness. And it's like, oh, wel- wel- welcome to pull into the space station, Senator. Would oh, Jedi, we can't have that. No. What do you think? Hey, we can- it's It's awful.
1: Do you think we could strike a blow against racism if we just commit to always referring to that kind of accent as a Nemoidean accent from this point on?
0: I I don't think it's a blow against racism. Um But why not? Let's just use Nemoidian as the inside baseball sequel cast. Well, all
1: right. So that's that's how you can identify a true fan.
0: Yeah, I, I start expecting to see those Nemordian uh, tattoos any day now. <laughs> Neimoidian for life. Well, let's go on to our Paul Gobel memorial mashup.
1: Ah, yes, the Paul Goebel Show memorial mashup, where I take an impression over here, an impression over there, put them both into my mouth, kind of slosh them together, <laughs> and then expectorate uh, that Impression okay. as a new alloyed combined impression, and Matt and our guests have to figure out what that impression is.
0: Right, and to prove I'm not cheating, I'm going to hold my hands up like this on the microphone, which works great for people listening on the podcast.
1: How does that prove you're not cheating?
0: Uh, I'm not typing.
1: Oh, okay. So we're not sending any like messages. Okay.
0: Yeah, I'm not googling to see. Gee, okay. Grasher okay. says well, this. i he's I'll talking do the about same. Flavor Flav. All right. Okay. So,
1: to, is, like and for, for, for those of you who are listening it. to this and not uh, watching it, I'm okay. sure that was compelling. Um all right. mm. <laughs> So, here we go. And you oh. know, this is going to be a good one because I thought of it 15 minutes ago.
0: Hot, hot, hot off the presses. Oh,
1: thank you. Thank you for answering my, my questions. Uh, j- just. Oh. Uh, what? 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 One more question. One more question. Uh, do you Do you know Do you know where moose and squirrel are? Can you tell me anything about 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 moose and squirrel? I uh, Okay. That, that 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 your answer Your answer makes a lot of sense. Your answer makes a lot of sense about uh, the, about moose and squirrel. All right. Uh, so uh, Natasha Natasha and I'll go look into that. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Hmm.
0: So um. Rocky and Bullwinkle was a cartoon, and I don't know. I, I can let go of my hands now. I'm getting cramps.
1: I'm gonna keep him here. I like him here.
0: Pray to your tentacled god. I'll, I'll continue. <laughs> um, Rocky and Bullwinkle was a cartoon. They had the the Russian bad guys. And they the weren't Russian. Satire. they were Pennsylvania. Whatever. It was a satire on the Russian Cold War stuff. Uh, Boris and Natasha. So Boris was the guy. So Boris is is in the name somehow. And yet, with the uh, what you talked about, besides Moose and Squirrel and the gravelly voice, um, who else do I know that has the name of Boris? I, I sort of think of, like, Boris Yeltsin, but I don't even know who that is, really. Uh, so it's... Um, but Boris's last name was Badenov. So it could be Boris Badenoff or something.
1: No. Uh, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so I'm... It's somehow fucking connected to Rocky and Boinkle.
1: Well it's it's this is again this is inspired by the originator of the mashup, the uh, great Jim Bruce, oh, who is still with us boy. Uh, despite our best efforts. Uh
0: and we need to get him on the show, man.
1: You know we should. We need to subject him yeah. to this, let him know how it feels. Okay. Get Paul then have Paul Paul Goebel jump out and go, Aha, now you know. Uh but okay, it's uh Columborus Badanoff.
0: Oh. Okay, that's what you were doing. I so I did
1: all that Columbo
0: stick. Well, I um, don't know uh, much about Columbo, so <laughs> good thing I was answering that question. I, I always get these at least half right. It's pretty rare when I don't get any piece at all of what you're you're talking about.
1: You're 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 about. I think that I think that mathematically works out to you're right forty percent of the time if you count just the half that you are right.
0: If only it was 42% of the time.
1: Well, I haven't mm. done uh, Douglas Adams-Sandler yet, so we'll see.
0: Oh, God. No, no. Uh, all right. So where can people uh, catch up with us online, Thrasher?
1: Oh, well, they can catch up with us, of course, at our website, www.sequelcast.com. Uh, they can also follow you on Twitter, at uh, SequelCast. Uh, they can also follow me on Twitter, at... Uh, at Internet Mayor. I've uh, picked up some some uh, followers recently, so uh, thank you. Thank you to all those people.
0: And uh, our Facebook page is on facebook.com slash SequelCast. That's the best way to get in contact with us. Uh, support the show. Donate. Go to SequelCast.com. Click on that PayPal link on the left of the page. Uh, also, I would uh, say, if you're in Portland, Oregon, Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m., I host a pub quiz for Geeks Who Drink at the Iconic Lounge. So check that out. It's free to play, uh, a lot of fun, a lot of different topics. If you want to see me blabber in front of a microphone and answer trivia, uh, go to Iconic Lounge, 8 to 10 p.m. Tuesday nights in Portland, Oregon. Uh, again, my Twitter handle is at SequelCast.
1: And what the hell? Once again, mine is at Internet mayor.
0: Where can people pick up some of your uh, books, Thrasher?
1: Uh, best place to go would be to go to uh, drivethroughrpg.com and uh, search for William T. Thrasher under the uh, for, uh, as far as artists and authors go. You'll find a lot of my material there. Uh, I've actually got some stuff I'm going to be releasing independently, but I'm going to save that for when it's actually available so that the the announcement is a bit more timely.
0: The sausage isn't just made, it's flourishing.
1: It's made to Perfection.
0: Tune in next week in which we will talk about Starship Troopers three, Marauder.
1: That'll be a good day to die.
0: When you know the reason why. <laughs> Citizens, we fight for what is right. A noble sacrifice. I've listened to that song like a hundred times this past week. No no I it, love it. It's 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 a legitimately great piece of music.
1: In all honesty, I think we need to get you to sing that entire song in next week's episode.
0: I will do better than that. I'll um, record a cover of it and slap it on Bandcamp. Oh, very cool. free download. Use that uh, grease the wheels with garage band. So, until next time, uh, this is Matt.
1: And this is Thrasher. Saying, Perimeter burn!
0: I'm a hero of the Federation. (laughs) I won't talk about why I fragged my superior officer until 10 minutes before the end of the movie. <laughs> then you'll care. Then you'll care, damn it. So the whole
1: movie was a flashback for that part of the movie.
0: Why didn't we get a Starship Trooper sequel that was like bugs from the bugs point of view, no dialogue, <laughs> just a bunch of bugs going
1: That's a bit too avant-garde, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that would It's be like fun. I had I've always had the idea it would be a great short film Alien versus predator, one human, one alien, one predator on some planet. And no dialogue except stuff like the human saying, oh, fuck, damn it, shit. It would be kind like, like Kirk has...
1: fighting the Gorn, really.
0: <laughs> With even more boulders. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I had to watch that episode of Star Trek uh, in my chemistry class.
1: Oh, because of the way he makes his own canon.
0: Yeah, there's a whole curriculum of Star Trek episodes you can watch to tie into any science class imaginable. I'm not making that up.
1: No, that's pretty cool. I mean, every so often there's some (laughs) real science on that show. A lot of it's horribly misapplied, but it's still real science.
0: We also watched an episode of Star Trek Next Generation when Worf had back problems. Oh, yeah, but they have to replace his spine. It's it's especially bad, even for early Star Trek Next Generation. (laughs) Today is a good day to spine.
1: When you know the reason, wine.
0: <laughs> Damn it, <laughs> citizens! You fight for what is wine. <laughs>
1: oh, oh wow! Actually, I I would fight for some good <laughs> wine. I think.
0: Uh, as they said in the Escape from Planet of the Apes, it's grape juice plus.
1: <laughs> oh, callback sequel cast classic.
0: Why isn't that a wine label? Okay, <laughs> grape juice plus. Um,
1: we could do it. We can make it sequel cast vineyards. <laughs>
0: The Sequel Cast is a Hipster Goblin production. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet.